0: Welcome to PR 360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out, hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com and welcome to a new episode of of PR360, and I'm your host, Brett Dice. If you could please subscribe to PR360 and all your favorite podcasting apps, leave a five-star review if you like this podcast. But this week, it's all about storytelling: the storytelling that you need to know because it's going to be full of storytelling so that you can tell the great stories to your customers. And to your internal employees as well. But with me, I have Brienne Garrett with me, and she is a journalist and editor focused on food, lifestyle, entrepreneurship, and in addition to amplifying black and brown voices, she's currently the managing editor at Sweet July Brand, and she has been a reporter for Forbes and many others as well. But welcome to the show, Brienne.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes. And the first question is, oh, my guest is, are you a coffee or tea drinker?
1: Tough one. This is a very tough one. I think it is very mood dependent. I sometimes love a good coffee drink. I've been experimenting lately with some nice sort of mixed drinks. Um, I've been doing a nice brown shaken, uh, brown sugar shaken espresso to save some Starbucks money. Um, but you know, sometimes when I want to wind down or have a less caffeinated drink, I'll go for a nice oh Grey tea. That was a very long answer, but. Uh, It's a complicated answer for me.
0: (laughs) No worries. It's all about the taste. I understand the whole uh, saving on Starbucks because I think coffee went up like 30% for the past two years in price. So I understand that part.
1: Yes, yes, for sure.
0: Anyways, I gave a brief summary of your expertise, but can you give our listeners a little bit more about what you do?
1: Yeah, so I'm currently managing editor for Ali Brands, so I run all things editorial for this very multifaceted brand uh, founded by Aisha Curry. It really is centered on being a lifestyle platform, um, predominantly for women of color, for Black women, a place where they can shop Black-owned brands, a place where they can get uh, really tailored storytelling. Um, and it's been a very fulfilling journey so far. Overall, you hit the nail on the head. I'm a journalist and editor uh, focused on amplifying black and brown voices, uh, specifically um, through food, through entrepreneurship, and through lifestyle.
0: Gotcha. And then storytelling. I mean, it's the key component in journalism and PR. I mean, it works hand in hand almost. But what are some effective ways of telling a story?
1: Yeah, I think intentionality is probably the word that comes to mind. I think I receive um, a range of pitches from PR platforms and the ones that stand out are the ones that really know um, the story that they're telling and are telling it or are trying to pitch it with intention. And that means um, ensuring that it aligns with the goals of the journalist, uh, ensuring that they are authentic in the way in which they're portraying the story, whether it's a person, a brand, a product, um, I think just being transparent is, is really key credibility, uh, across the board in journalism is, is really, new, but I think the same can be said for PR.
0: Gotcha. And then should PR pros focus in on the multicultural storytelling aspect of it? Cause I know it seems like sometimes one story is specific to one group of people sometimes, or they may actually be trying and completely failing, but should they focus on that aspect of it? And maybe like. Try to tell different stories to different people?
1: I mean, I think it's a no-brainer, right? I think when you think about, um, you know, if you want black and brown communities, underrepresented communities, LGBTQ plus communities, um, a wide range of communities to be interested in uh, the products and brands that you're, that they're meant to be engaging in and that you are selling, uh, I think it's a no-brainer that they should be uh, leaned into that storytelling um people want to see and want um, themselves represented in storytelling and so there needs to be again an intentional effort uh and also a meaningful and thoughtful way i mean i think you're, you're seeing a lot these days uh a lot of tokenism uh a lot of sort of uh capitalization on these particular communities and so yes there should be a focus on multicultural storytelling but it should be done in a way that's intentional that's thoughtful um and I think a great way of doing that, as you mentioned earlier, is by hiring internally uh, people who represent these folks. That's the best way to make sure that you're accurately telling your stories.
0: And so maybe a PR pro is trying to do it and, well, may miss the mark because we're all human. We all try and it sometimes doesn't work. But I mean, how do you actually fit it into that right fit of storytelling? You said also in hiring internally, but also should you go out externally and maybe pitch some influencers and see if this resonates? Is that something else you should actually try to do, like workshop it a little bit more, not to sound like more corporate, but to sound more authentic?
1: Yeah, I mean, data-driven uh, insights is something that I think works really well. If you really want you know, to get a temperature check on what people want to hear or feedback, authentic feedback, Uh, honest feedback uh yeah there's always taking that route of surveying your your audience and seeing what they want to hear seeing what's working and what isn't um it's a nice way to supplement your internal hires and and really understand uh, what your consumers want
0: Mm. and i mean should the campaign be multifaceted at the same time when we're talking about storytelling, cause it looks like it's like you could have one campaign, but it could be one specific. So should you have like several different campaigns running, several different stories running through maybe to like make sure, cause sometimes it's like maybe one story you thought wasn't great was actually probably one of the best ones you actually, actually did. Should you have multiple different stories as part of the storytelling as well, just in case one may not work out. because You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket is the best way of saying it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult question to answer. I think it's all about what your what the goal is of your campaign. Um, I think, you know, you do have a point. Uh, It's trying to serve too many people at the same time can be problematic. It can often seem like you're, you're trying to execute too much or have too much of an ambitious plan. Um, So I think identifying the goal of a particular campaign or story or, uh, anything of that nature is is prime and really understanding who you're trying to serve. And I don't think you need to be serving, you know, multiple groups at the same time. I think, uh, you know, one campaign can have a completely different purpose and serve a completely different demographic than your other. But when you're looking at the wider scope of, of who you're, uh, who you're trying to serve holistically from campaign to campaign, I think that's when you need to be a little bit multicultural uh, thinking, but um multicultural multifaceted. Um, but I, I, think, um, you know, different campaigns serve different purposes and that's what you need to make sure that you are uh, prioritizing from the start as not to, to get confused or to get too, uh, too ambitious.
0: Gotcha. And then when PR press are trying to pitch their press release out to journalists like yourself, how should they pitch a journalist? Because, it seems like there are some, some strategies like obviously read the stuff that you, that journalists have written, but is there anything else that they should actually do to make sure that they get the right press release to the right journalist and not kind of waste your, your time probably is the best way of saying it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say that the easiest way to piss a journalist off is by pitching a story, uh, Uh, on a subject that has no relation to their beat um that you know right at the gates is is something that puts me off i know it puts a lot of my colleagues off um so you know the do your research is essentially what is the best recommendation understand um the interest areas and the beats of the journalists that you're pitching um make sure that it's aligned with with their with their uh coverage areas and I think I'll go a step further and, and suggest that uh, trust trust the journalist's expertise and their ability to uh, determine whether or not it's a viable pitch. I think one of the, the additional frustrating elements is when a PR uh, professional pitches a story that's written and they assume that, um, you know, the journalist would want to cover it from that angle or would want to use those, you know, cherry picked uh Quotes that they're adding, and, and and I think I think it's an interesting strategy, and I understand why that might be the route. But I think most journalists want to be trusted in their ability to tell a story and their ability to determine that it is a good story without um, you know too much work or or uh, holding from the PR professional. If that makes
0: sense. yeah, it it does. So I mean, should there be any you know, tools? Because I know there's some tools out there to at least for PR pros to understand. Should they use those tools? And also, should they not use mass emailing <laughs> to get their story out? Because I feel like sometimes you're like, well, this looks like it was a mass emailer. And even though it may be my subject, you, you kind of make me feel like I'm just part of the list.
1: Oh, absolutely. You can definitely uh, differentiate a tailored email from one that's a mass send. Um and there are there are a lot of ways to identify that but um, i think a, a way to make sure that you're uh tailoring that email to that specific journalist is by maybe you know mentioning past coverage um acknowledging the fact that you've been following their career um obviously not in an overdone way i don't want you know a a uh, an ex basically a, a fully executed resume uh, or um relinking my portfolio but Just an understanding that you've read my work before and that this could be a nice uh, jumping up off point to something I've covered, uh, a a different approach. Um, Things of that nature are really ways to show that you understand uh, what the journalist is writing about versus sending, you know, uh, copying and pasting my my name on the the subject line. Mm.
0: And then when they are pitching the press release, should they be adding uh, extra content besides the written portion? Should they be adding pictures or maybe video now? Is that more important to you or is it still more important to make, just have the written part and everything else will be taken care of? I
1: think multimedia content where relevant uh, can be helpful in painting the full picture. I mean, obviously there's so many different ways journalists seek to tell stories these days. And so, um, you know, maybe a written format isn't suitable maybe it's, a better fit for a series or a podcast uh, or everything or all in one. Um, So I think uh, demonstrating the ways in which the story could be told uh, is helpful. But I also think uh, there's a healthy balance and telling too much or showing too much in one email can often be overwhelming. So uh, again, I guess my, my short answer would be where relevant um videos and and any additional storytelling platforms or forms of content can be helpful
0: got it so still always bullet point it if you have different angles of the story or i should say helpful tips from us because it's more helpful than actually telling you what to do so that might be part of the headline be like helpful tips and then take it or leave it type of a thing.
1: Right, exactly. Yes, this is this is the information I'm presenting to you. Um, use it in a way that will help whatever you're working on, whatever stories you're looking to tell. I'm not telling you what to do, rather um, making some useful suggestions for potential future opportunities.
0: Mm-hmm. And then what has been like one of the worst pitches you've ever gotten? Because I'm pretty sure there's been some pretty awful pitches you've gotten where you're like, did you like not know me at all, or did you not read, or are you just trying to like tell your boss this is how many journalists that I pitched, so it makes you look good?
1: Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I I'm, I recently received a pitch um, about weddings, and in the sort of uh, leading paragraph of the pitch, it said, "Brian, I've loved all the wedding content that you have written recently," um, and in my my career. I've I've yet to, I think, unless I'm forgetting something, I've yet to write a story that was uh wedding uh, oriented.
0: And so what has been like the worst press release you've ever gotten or the worst pitch I should say you've ever gotten or either or both? Has it been like, like someone just doesn't know you or they're just trying to pat their like list of look how many journalists that I've actually pitched to. Like what has been your worst?
1: I mean, I'm sure I've gotten way worse pitches in the past, but the one that comes to mind recently, um, was an email regarding weddings and the, in the leading intro of the email, it said, Brianne, um, I've been loving your wedding, uh, content recently and, um, that was a red flag immediately because I, I, to my knowledge have yet to, you know, write a wedding specific story or feature. So, um, again, telltale sign that this person was probably sort of crossing off the emails of journalists that were in their network and and sending out a mass email. And it's definitely, um, you know, a turnoff as far as, is, is wanting to look more into uh, what they were pitching. So, um, That one comes to mind is one of the worst, I guess, approaches to pitching.
0: And then, I mean, if PR pros do that, you just like put their like emails in spam. Now you're like, nope, not, not anymore. You're, you're done. First impressions out the door.
1: Immediate X. I should, I should create a folder that's designated for bad pitches Um, Just so that (laughs) they can just filter right in there.
0: (laughs) And is there any way for like PR pros to avoid that bad pitch type of a thing? Cause I'm pretty sure some aren't really trying to, some are, but is there any way to avoid that with you? So that don't be like, oh crap, I just did a bad pitch.
1: I mean, it just stay organized, um, stay up to speed on, you know, I, even if it requires a bit more research, having a database of the journalists that you are looking to pitch and the corresponding beats that they cover and, um, also making sure that you're staying up to speed on what, what changes are occurring because journalists are often pivoting their, their beats. Um, so what they, you know, I may have covered weddings two years ago, but maybe I've pivoted to like consumer tech or food or, or or something, you know, completely different. So, um, yeah, just making sure that maybe yearly you're, uh, making sure that you understand, um, the changes in beats of journalists.
0: So just, yeah, always constantly updating that list just so you don't do the whole, Hey, I know you've done weddings. You're like, I haven't done weddings in like 10 years or however many years. And it's like that. Yeah. That's really out to date now.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And then fun question for you. What story do you wish you have would have written? You're like, Oh, I wish I had that story. I wish I wrote that one.
1: Well, I'll tell you, um, it's kind of a multi-part story because back at a previous employer, I had had my eyes on Fawn Weaver, um, who for people who don't know is the founder of uncle Miris whiskey, Um, an amazing story, an amazing founder. And I had just wanted to interview her and figure out an approach and um, obviously uh, a way to get to Tennessee to Shelbyville to actually uh, get to this distillery and tour it and tell the story, you know, in the best way possible. And so it just, it didn't pan out when I was uh, trying to figure things out originally, but um, not too long ago in in one of the latest issues of Sweet July, I was able to uh, include her story. I was able to get out to Shelbyville, interview her in person, tour the amazing distillery. Um, And so, yeah, that was kind of a full circle moment of really wanting to write a story and making it happen. Uh, And it may have taken a little bit longer, um, but it eventually worked out.
0: Mm. And is that, is that like the highlight of, of your career that it all worked out in that type of a way? Or is there other stories that, as well that you've are like, yes, that's one of my defining moments as well?
1: Oh man, it's definitely one of the highlights as far as, yeah, making something happen. Um I think there are oftentimes where journalists have a, a passion project or a specific person that they want to interview and for whatever reason, whether it's just bandwidth or budget or just you know timing, um, it's it's just not the right moment. So I think I think those are the highlights, at least in my career, of of shelving something, knowing that you intend to uh, circle back to it and figure it out, and and really be uh, uh, passionate about making it work. And yeah, those are those are the great moments. And- and journalism for sure.
0: All right. And where can people find you online?
1: All right. Well, I'll have to first plug Sweet July, um, which again is a platform for stories, platform for Black owned products, um, and, and both combined. So you can find uh, Sweet July on Instagram, predominantly as far as social media goes, and also sweetjuly.com. And then personally, for me, you can find me uh, at Brienne Nicole18. Uh, that's all one word on Instagram. And on Twitter, you can find me at Brianne underscore Garrett.
0: All right. Any final thoughts for our listeners?
1: No, I, I thank you for, you know, centering a podcast on my favorite thing. Uh, storytelling is is prime. So uh, yeah, it's great. It's an important thing to be talking about.
0: Uh, yeah, it's always important to talk about and to, I guess, refresh ourselves sometimes.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, thank you, Brian, for joining PO360 and sharing your knowledge on journalism and storytelling.
1: Yeah, thank you again for having me. It's great.
0: Yes. And thank you for listening to PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 on your favorite podcasting app. Leave a five star review if you like this podcast. And join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Get to updating your list of journalists and writing great pitches and storytelling. And see you next week. Later.